All right. Welcome back. I'm Christian. And I'm Patrick. And prepare to be sucked into Black, Black Hole, Hole Theories. theories. <laughs> What's going All on? All right, man? dude. Nothing much, man. I'm stoked. I'm stoked to be back on the pod. Or is this episode five or episode six? This is episode six. We're already six in. Awesome. Yep. You know, they, they say yep. that the average podcast, which there are millions of, the average podcast only lasts seven episodes before they quit. Did you know that well, stat? Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. We're not going to quit anytime soon. I can tell you that. I've started a podcast yes, and I ended up stopping after like 42 episodes and I'm telling you already, we're already off to a different start than that one was. And so, I I mean, we're in this for the long haul. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And there's so much to talk about, you know. Um, there's so much to talk about, yeah. Speaking yeah. of, today, I had a question for you coming into episode five. I'm curious okay. because I have a little bit of a story of my own, but I want to hear, um, and the reason why I have this question is because I know that anytime someone gets really into a certain topic, whether it's, I really want to go get really into dating advice, which I went through a phase like that and I became a dating coach. Right. But with UFOs, I have a story, almost an origin story of my own. And I'm curious, was there a moment or maybe an event that happened to you that really inspired you to go really deep into the UFO rabbit hole? And if so, what was it? Honestly, there was no specific like breaking point for me to get into the whole topic of UFOs, but I would watch U videos on UFOs on YouTube all the time, like back in 2014, 2015. I've always had like an interest in the subject of UFOs and, you know, the potential for there to be extraterrestrial life and, you know, abduction stories. I used to like be really, really like into it and I still am. Um, when I was like in my teens and growing up and just consuming, consuming, consuming that kind of content and reading books and, you know, watching uh, ancient aliens and all those TV shows, history channel, uh, it just started making me question things and being like, okay, like there maybe is a hundred percent with certainty, a hundred percent that there is something to this. Um, and so, yeah, man. And so then I just dug, dug, dug deep. I started you know, digging deep into, into, into UFOs, into, you know, sightings, abduction stories, uh, and just looking into it from a more logical perspective, not really believing it a hundred percent. Uh, but you know, the interest in that just kind of kept growing and growing as things started to unfold in the news, especially, you know, we've gone so far over the past, like seven years, you know, with like, you know, articles coming out, being published by the media, New York Times. Um, so many things have brought it to light on an official level that it's only increased my my interest in it and validated a lot of what I really believed in. Uh, and so having that validation has only continued to spark my interest and, you know, make me want to create content on this subject. Um and really just, you know what it is, man? It's an overarching sense of like, we're being lied to in every single direction. Really, we're being lied to about UFOs. We're being lied to about what we consume. We're being lied to about, you know, what we're taught in school. We're being lied to about, you know, 
technology that is being kept from us. I think that that's one of the most important things, especially with nutrition, you know, and like nutrition is one thing that I've like had like such a deep interest in also. Um, and that, and just lifestyle in general, like there's so many things that we consume every single day that are poisoning our bodies. You know, um, there's microplastics in the fucking air, you know, that we're breathing in mm. for, for just the, the clothes that we wear, you know, the polyester clothing. Nobody's told, nobody ever told me that this shit redu- like shrinks your fucking gooch. Have you heard about that? <laughs> I have heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. Like what the hell? Well, I don't you think know? it would. I don't think it would shrink your gooch. I think it shrinks kids, yeah. future generations. It takes a generation right. to to start to show itself. Exactly, exactly. And so we've been, you know, we've been lied to, and just and that alone has made me kind of like just question everything. You know what I mean? And that's what's made me dive into, you know, and really, really dive deep into the topic of UFOs and and all these stories that we're hearing. You know. So it was more of a, just a natural curiosity, natural curiosity that we're being lied to in, in every Avenue, you know, do you remember this first, yeah. I guess, story or rabbit hole in the UFO topic that really like you sunk your teeth into? Yeah, I think it would be, um, I, I think it would be Bob Lazar, man. Like yeah. the Bob Lazar. Yeah. For me, it would. Uh, when, when, when I saw the original tapes and this was before the Bob Lazar documentary came out, I would watch like his YouTube videos, like, you know, not YouTube videos, but like the recordings of when he first came out as Dennis, yeah. uh, you know, disguised, you know, with, with the, with the fucking, you know, what do they call that when they, when they mask you? Um, they like do the voice changer, they make it super deep and you're like backlit. So your face is all black. Yeah. 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 That. Those are the first videos that I saw about Bob Lazar. And then, of course, you know, he came out and revealed himself, you know, to protect his own identity, which is actually, you know, pretty smart yeah. on his end because he could have he could have kept hidden and eventually they would have caught on to him, even with the voice changer and even with that, you know, dark kind of uh, uh, overlay that they had. And so that was a smart move for him. But that was the official story that really got me like really invested just because of the, you know, the way he spoke about it, he came across as like nothing to lose type type, you know? Mm-hmm. And what about you? What was, what was the one thing that you, that, that, you know, made you really kind of like get into the topic? You know, I think our story might be very similar, but I remember there was a moment where it kind of became real for me which is a lot more recent than it seeming than it was for you. Like when I was a kid, yeah. you know, I would watch TV late at night on like Friday nights sometimes or whatever. I remember like when I was 12 or something, I saw like the George Knapp special on Bob Lazar, like the original one where he was backlit, probably the same one that you saw. And he was like yeah. talking about area 51. And at the time I even, I remember when Google Earth first became a thing, like that was probably yeah. early 2000s when it like the first version of it yeah. came out. And when I played around with that, like the first thing I looked up was Area 51. I was like, oh, it's right there. You can look at it on on Area on Same Google here. Earth or whatever. Um, yeah. When I when I saw Area 51 was on Google Earth, I mean, that was interesting, but I was so young that even at the time, and I think I said this in my interview with Richard Dolan, but UFOs to me were never like, a real thing. It was always like a science fiction thing. And mm-hmm. even when it came to the topic of UFOs, obviously there's those 
videos circulating around the internet of flying saucers hovering and whatnot. And in my head, I thought that if it looked like a flying saucer, it was too close to like something like the Jetsons that it's obviously fake. So I, because I just assumed that if aliens were really here, then it would probably look something like the thing from Independence Day. Like I assumed it'd be this huge metallic craft. And I assumed that these aliens would like actually like be showing themselves. Um, but I think when it became real for me was when I saw the Bob Lazar interview on Joe Rogan. And this is years after I hadn't even thought about UFOs or even contemplated the reality or the possibility of them. But when that interview came out, you know, I was working on my business or whatever. So it was just not in my realm of like what I was thinking about on a day-to-day basis. And as I was watching this, I was like, oh wait, this guy's actually serious. And then I put two and two together. I was like, wait, I think this is the same guy as the guy who I saw when I was like 12 on those old documentaries with George Knapp or whatever. And um, so after that interview, which was very compelling, by the way, I think it's probably one of the most viewed podcasts ever, if I'm guessing. Um, uh, I just kind of did a quick Google search and I basically looked up uh, CIA.gov and I went to their website and I, on the website, you can search in their search bar, whatever you want to search. And I, I think it searches like the Freedom of Information Act, like database. And I just searched the term flying saucer. And sure enough, all these documents came up, all of them, like pages and pages like of search results. And I just started clicking and looking at the, at the results. And one of the things that really popped up was this document where it had no writing or anything. It was just like 20 pages of pictures. And these were pictures of what appeared to be real life flying saucers. And I was like, all right, wait a second. If this was not real, surely pictures of flying saucers would not be on CIA.gov. And that is the moment where I just went deep down the rabbit hole. And, you know, a couple of years later, here we are talking about black hole theories and shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar to me. Um, the CIA documents and the, the 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 actual websites that they had actually established. It's like what? Like an actual government? A, a part of the government is actually acknowledging it. They're acknowledging that this stuff is real. And so that was another rabbit hole for me. And what was another wake up call for me as well? That and the Tom DeLong interview or podcast uh, with Joe Rogan. That was another one uh, where he had come out right before the article. I think it was right before the New York Times article broke. Uh, But for a lot of people, that's what really set in. It it really did set in for a lot of people when that article came out. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's definitely something that I've always had like an interest in. And, but recently it's just been, you know, it's just been 10, 10 X. You know, do you remember the part of that uh, Tom DeLong Joe Rogan episode um, where Tom DeLong basically was like, yeah, there's actual footage of like military reverse engineered craft on YouTube. Like you can look it up. And Joe was like, what? Like, Jamie, pull this up. We got to look up this. What do we what do we search for? And Tom goes, just type in TR3B ad Astra. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. 
Mm -hmm. And it had it showed this the video triangle. of this black triangular craft, yeah. And yeah. the triangle like basically was floating silently and then it was engulfed in this fucking white burst of light and then phew, it it was gone. It just gone. disappeared. Just and like Joe instantly was like that looks fake as fuck. Um, yeah. And you know, yeah. uh, for better or for worse, unfortunately I think that like I don't know if you paid attention to this, but it seems like Joe Rogan doesn't really think that highly of Tom DeLonge. And I think he probably just assumes that Tom DeLonge's full of shit. I think it was probably that moment. Yeah, I picked up on that. Yeah, he's very skeptical, which is, I mean, you know, it's his guest. He shouldn't necessarily be blatantly like disrespectful like that. But he yeah, I mean, it's Tom DeLonge. Like, what do you expect? You know, he he went in, he's blink 182. Yeah. And so now what's unfolded over the past several years. I think that it's added some credit. Don't you think that it's added some credibility to what he originally said in that podcast? I mean, yeah. I mean, the TR3B specifically, like after I saw that, I actually just Googled TR3B and started searching it myself. And believe it or not, there's an actual Google, like you can find it in the Google databases, but it's an actual patent that was filed. Really? For the blueprints of the TR3B, which works wow. on anti-gravity. You can Google this and it's like the first search result, like the actual patent for it. So like, I mean, patents are when it's patented, isn't it kind of legit? Maybe I'm wrong on that, but that kind of legitimized it for me. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was a concept that was patent. Was it a concept or like, was it an actual craft that was patented? It had like illustrations of the the craft of what it looked like and it was a patent for the design of the craft the design of the craft that makes sense yeah yeah i wouldn't put it past that you know the only thing is though how could that how could that get leaked out like that you know i mean patents are public information they know? are huh but at the same time i when i started my mind fucked channel i thought about making a video where I kind of just looked up the craziest patents I could find. And one of the patents that I found, there's an actual patent for a process that if you do it right, allows you to physically walk through a wall. And <laughs> I downloaded that patent. I probably have it saved somewhere, but if you try to read the instructions on how to do it, it's all gibberish. None of it makes sense. It's all like mumbo jumbo scientific sounding terms. So maybe patents aren't always legitimate. Yeah. I don't know. Either legitimate or there's no proof of concept in them and that they even work as intended or even as thought of. Can you yeah. patent like, like what's, what's the simplest thing that you could patent? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you could patent Man, that's a good question. I am the wrong person to ask about that. I would completely be making shit up off the top of my ass if I even tried to answer that question because I have no idea. But I will say that finding a, a patent on Google that is public record uh, of the TR3B made it seem more legit to me. But the, the fact that there's a patent for being like how to walk through walls, um, I'll just say I've tried yeah. it and it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work so well. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. technically speaking, if you could walk through walls, I mean, you could walk through the floor, right? I think theoretically it's actually possible. And this is like when we're talking about quantum physics, because theoretically, since 
there's like nothing is actually physically touching the the negative charge of the electrons are just repelling each other and so when you get mm. close enough to something the electrons are repelling off it's like the putting uh you know the same polarity of a magnet together you just can't get them to touch so yeah theoretically with quantum physics on the world of quantum it is possible for those electrons to perfectly just like kind of slide past each other but the probability of that happening with even one electron is so astronomically small that it's very 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 unlikely and then when you multiply that with the possibility of every electron in your hand or your body doing it i think that becomes virtually impossible not 100 percent impossible but virtually right. impossible yeah what use would that have i think it would have a military application for sure like it would it could be absolutely used. yeah yeah i mean that and that's probably where a lot of like people like when i one of the interviews i did um and it is on mindfucked it's with this guy named michael schratt who's a aerospace military military aerospace historian but that kind of turned in, in, into him researching every case of unidentified flying objects that is on record with the military and and that's led to him really uh coming up with a view that a lot of these craft that are being seen are top secret military projects because some of these famous sightings have signature of man-made technology some of these craft even were reported having like serial numbers on them um, and he went through a lot of those cases with like full illustrations on that, on that one podcast I did with him or that one interview I did with him. And, yeah. um, but when he kind of started talking about interdimensionality, which is one of the first people that I talked to, uh, before that was like the catchy term, like interdimensional, um, this is 2020 when I talked to him. And so, um, he was saying specifically, and I think I said this a couple episodes ago, but one of the things that leads to these people thinking of the interdimensional is that they'll fly directly into a mountainside and just go through it, you know? Mm. And so that, I mean, that could be a, maybe not interdimensional, but potentially just master technology of being able to make the electrons slide past each other. Right. You know? Right. Maybe they can convert matter into light and maybe that's how they trans. Maybe that's how they, they teleport there's this place in colombia have you heard of it it's called i did a video on it too it's in uh it's somewhere in colombia it's like in a specific region like a mountain range or something uh, El, uh i think it's called la peña de huayca or something like that and there's life phenomenon there that occurs every every very 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 occasionally uh almost like daily and people see these lights, like these little streaks of lights every night, and they go into the mountain. Uh, mm -hmm. So I wouldn't put it past that, like, you know, that could be some kind of, you know, extraterrestrial or like, you know, ancient civilization that utilizes light to, tr to teleport or to transport in and out of where they reside, which I do think that there could be some some life, some intelligent life that is living inside of our planet right now. Have you ever heard of the hollow earth theory? I've heard of it. Um, but what have, what have you heard? So I've heard some things. I've heard that there was an expedition or there was a guy who wanted to set out on an expedition. I think, was it Admiral Byrd? Yeah. The operation high jump operation high jump. Yeah. He wanted to set out on an expedition <clears throat> and, uh, I think he ended up doing it right. You know, a yeah, lot so, about the story. 
Yeah, I have a video about this, uh, but my video only focused on the aspect of Antarctica, Operation High Jump, and the potential of Nazis having a base down there with uh, anti-gravity craft. But the one aspect of that story that I didn't dive into was Admiral Byrd's diaries, which is where the whole hollow earth theory comes from, which is what people, where he describes going into hollow earth. Um, and that's like, I mean, if you look into it, at least what I've heard is like, it's called high jump because apparently if you go over some type of ice wall, not maybe, maybe somewhat related to the flat earth theory, but I think this is different. If you go over some type of barrier, which is the high jump aspect, it opens up into the middle of earth, which is just like what I'm imagining is like this metropolis of just life forms, even like plant and fauna that we don't regularly see. I'm just imagining like the Pandora uh, movie, yeah. you know, with, uh, with yeah. Avatar or whatever, like that type of shit in middle earth, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's something my uncle, you know, and he, you know, like I said, like he was like my conspiracy theory guy, like him and I would just talk conspiracies all day. But he did tell me about the hollow earth theory and how he really had, he really did kind of believe it mm. uh, in that there was, you know, he, he, Admiral Byrd, I don't know if it was his journals or somewhere it was read that the earth it was Admiral is Byrd. rather, it was Admiral Byrd, right? Yeah. It was that the earth was rather cylindrical in nature inside and that like, you know, it's not, there's no core to the earth and that there is an ancient civilization that resides within the, within the, the inside of the planet. And my question though, is like, how would sunlight work in there? How would sunlight work? Right. Yeah. How would things, how would water work? I mean, I know so, gravity is a thing, but like, yeah. Yeah. I guess as far as the information I have on this, um, there's a lot of people who talk about this sometimes on, on a website that you and I have talked about before Gaia. And there's people yeah. who have a lot of like interesting stories about middle earth. And that just really depends on if you believe in the credibility of anyone you see on Gaia. I think a lot of it seems pretty far fetched to me. Um, and no, especially if it's behind a paywall, but um what but what they say does make sense if it was theoretically there right um i will say this i brought up admiral bird's diaries to richard dolan when i talked to him and richard dolan as you know has been try, trying to be balls a legitimate deep. resource in this for many years right he's been balls and, deep in it yeah and he says he does he thinks richard bird's diaries are like science fiction it's like all bullshit and he doesn't even really? think richard bird wrote that and i think what he was saying was like if you look at the writing it's not even like how richard bird speaks or writes like he he completely does not believe in richard bird's diaries and, and you know maybe some of that is his own natural skepticism because the diaries which i have but i haven't read myself because of my conversation with richard bird and he basically led me to believe that they're all bullshit but from what I understand, his diaries basically start off with what we know, which is Operation High Jump, and then quickly goes into the realm of like, this is so far-fetched, this is complete bullshit, very quickly. Because I think from what I understand, he basically talks about they go into a certain part of Antarctica, 
and they're flying over the, you know, the ice or whatever. And then suddenly they lose control of the plane to where they can't steer, but they're realizing that something has basically grabbed a hold of the plane as far as like maybe an energy field. And it's like pulling this somewhere. So like, you know, maybe a gravity bubble and they're like, here, come with me plane. And the plane was basically led into middle earth over some type of ice wall. And, um, uh, that's where you see advanced societies, advanced craft that work on op like, uh, anti-gravity. And then, you know, all these life forms that are not, <laughs> not, are not like seen basically, yeah. uh, on, on regular earth that, that we see every day. But as far as like what you were saying, like, how does light work? How does sun work? How does water work? What people on Gaia have said is in middle earth, what you essentially have are pockets within the, within the crust, maybe even the core, but like throughout, like we, as far as the whole shape of the earth, I mean, we've barely even scratched the surface of what we do. So there's all this stuff that is like, we assume is just solid ground, like the fucking earth. Right. And there's all the layers of earth. Um, but essentially what they're saying is there are pockets of of air and life and whatnot and oxygen is created from plants through photosynthesis and whatnot right but where the plants get their um source of energy from unlike this on the surface which is the sun they use just the magma going through earth so that gives off heat mm -hmm. if it's kind of on the on the edges of whatever this pocket is it also might give off sources of light because it's burning so hot and so that could replace the light source the energy source and lead to who knows what kind of life forms down there and he claims i mean this guy was claiming like that there are portals at different places of the earth where energy lines intersect and the portals you can like scientists apparently according to him Scientists have been able to calculate where these portals will occur, but they don't last long because it involves like energy lines kind of overlapping momentarily. And then when it kind of finishes overlapping, the portal disappears. And he says, because of that, they have to time their missions into some of these pockets um, by going through these portals when they, when and where they want it, like they calculate it'll be, but sometimes the portal closes before the people come out and those people are stuck there and presumably die. But he claims that in certain places they go on missions in there and there are just like abandoned flying saucers, like sitting in there. You know what I'm saying? Yo, it's like a gold mine. Gold mine. And probably a lot of life forms that might eat you and shit like that. Yeah. Ooh, that's scary. Now that you bring yeah. that up, right? So say 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 we gain access to these technologies, right? On a public level, right? I'm talking about the craft that do magical things, fly instantaneously, you know, at at, at speeds that are unimaginable. How do you think they'll roll it out? How do you think that they'll roll out this technology if it was to be disclosed? Which I, I do think, think that it's going to happen very soon. I think that it is. Yeah, man, I, I that's such a loaded question because there's so many things to consider, right? Because let's say you you roll out just free energy altogether, right? Free energy meaning like we can we don't have to fucking pay metered electricity bills. You know, um, yeah. we can just draw energy from from the from the 
atmosphere around us or whatever. If that was rolled out completely, I think it, I, I just don't think it would happen because one, it would completely ruin the economy because a lot of it is based off of things that are operating on current level technology and the access to that type of free energy for everybody would um, kind of make us somewhat of a utopian society where we don't have to rely on big government to some degree. And I just don't think, I don't see that happening at least any time in the next several hundred years. I think something drastic I mean, would have to happen. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that something drastic would have to happen, but they can find the way to monetize and capitalize on that free energy technology and replace replace, you know, technology or, or or energy that we don't necessarily that that is expendable, right? That is uh, you know, non-renewable. I mean, I guess it would definitely be a more efficient way of doing things, but then the other aspect of it is if they release a lot of that technology, as you know, there's probably a lot of weapons applications. And just like they don't make readily available the blueprints to make a nuclear bomb, you know, that <laughs> I, I just don't see them putting that out to the public because then you got random kooks and terrorists who could utilize it for whatever they see fit, you know? Right. Well, that's, that's, that's one thing. It would have to be kind of like, you know, there would have to be, safety applications you know safety measures in place when providing it to to the public and so i mean so do you think that once it's out there in the ether once the public gains access to this technology that it could be you know reverse engineered and tinkered with to to serve as weapons weapons yeah, of mass I think, destruction i think when you open up the floodgates um, you quickly lose control, uh, hmm. as far as like whoever's controlling access to that now, because my personal belief is that if we're assuming that the UFO phenomenon is real and we assume that there are UFO donations like Roswell, then I believe that the government has had this stuff for well over 70 years, if not longer. And I believe that if they were going to release it to any degree, they would have done it by now. And that's yeah. the whole idea of disclosure, right? Why haven't they released it? Why are they being selfish? Why are they not like, why are they holding us back technologically to where, you know, we literally planes travel just as fast today as they did a hundred years ago. Why is that? Well, it's because to some degree, if that stuff exists, they don't want everybody having that shit for better or for worse. And maybe in their opinion, it is for better. And maybe they have a point on that, you know? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you think that they've figured it out 100%? Because honestly, if they really did figure it out 100%, you would assume that they, something would slip through the cracks. Something, like someone would, and I'm not saying Bob Lazar, but someone would slip through the cracks with all of the knowledge and knowing how it works. Even Bob Lazar couldn't even figure it out. Bob Lazar didn't know how it operated. He didn't know yeah. this, you know, it's very compartmentalized, which they do that on purpose, you know, to, right. to, to preserve the, um, the, you know, the project overall and to prevent things from escaping. But what if there is one person or two people that defect and that know everything? I think it would have happened by now already. I feel like it would have happened by now. I mean, we've been working on this for over 70 years. You would think that, you know, at least one or two people that are in those very, very high, you know, 
you know, majestic level clearance type shit would 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 defect and and tell the world that, yo, we got technology up in here that will change society. Like, I feel like it, you know, I feel like it, it somebody would have already defected and no one has. Because what if they don't even know? What if they don't even know everything like on how yeah. to, how it works, how it operates, you know? Well, you know, I, I agree with you, but then that also comes down to the fact like who, who actually would have access to everything. Cause like you said, Bob Lazar claims himself one, it was very compartmentalized and we know this, like the government is compartmentalized and they do that for secrecy reasons. They don't want a lot, like the whole thing coming out all at once. Right. And then right. secondly, that is the scary question because until it happens and until we get more confirmation, we don't know what we don't know. And we don't know the motive behind keeping it secret. And that's the scary question to me. If this is real, if there is one or a group of people at the top uh, that know everything, you got to think that once you're kind of read into that type of group, you share the same philosophies and ideologies as the people who came before you. And if that philosophy or ideology is potentially, we have to maintain this secrecy for the, bet the, the betterment of humanity because this is Pandora's box that will only be our demise. And maybe that's how they truly feel. You know what I'm saying? And if that's how they truly feel, then you kind of get where we're at now where, where we're stalled and we're all just guessing. And then, but you do have a lot of whistleblowers who have come out and, and that comes down to questioning the, the legitimacy of these whistleblowers. And you could debate that all day until you're blue in the face, because at the end of the yeah. day, they're talking about shit that we haven't seen. And they're talking about shit that most of us can't even comprehend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. I feel like whistleblowers like David Grush, they only know surface level shit. They only know the very basics of what this technology is. And I feel like there are people on this planet right the fuck now that know everything about how this technology works, where it originates from. And they're keeping it from us, from we the people. They're keeping it from the public. And that is a fucking crime, bro. That is a crime, honestly. Because yeah. if this technology exists, which I do think it does, this technology 100% exists. There's no denying it. I mean, I haven't seen that shit myself, but the amount of people that have seen it, it's no coincidence at this point. It really is no coincidence that UFOs, UAPs, they are real. They're 100% real. The question is, what are they and who has access to them? And why are they keeping that from us? That is a crime. You know, these are this is an abundance technology. This is a technology that can solve all of our fucking issues, bro. Like, yeah, if if this if this universe is filled with abundance, we're literally we're 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 fucking we're slaves in a way, bro. This is like a prison planet. If you really do think about it, you know? Yeah, it's annoying. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. I mean I'm very tempted to go into a realm of thinking that seems like very much like a mushroom induced line of thinking. But like <laughs> when I, when you're on mushrooms, things, things lose their definition and think, follow me on this one, right? Every day. And I actually ranted about this a couple episodes ago. We are just conscious beings who one day woke up and realized we were conscious. And the moment we popped out of our mom's vagina, 
started to try to make sense of the world around us. And the only way that we can possibly do that is trying to put labels on everything and put things into boxes. This is a bottle. This is a microphone. Gravity right. holds me to the ground. And we create all these rules and boxes and definitions, right? As an example, you said, if it's being held from us, it is a crime. Okay. From a mushroom line of thinking, how do you even define crime? Who the fuck decides what is and isn't a crime? Who decides what is and isn't right? It's just our own personal definitions that we put on things based off of how we feel about certain things and our own life experiences. And then we have to put it in a box of some sort to make sense of itself, right? And so in your reality, in the world that you've been living in, this is a crime, this is not a crime. This is right and this is wrong. And by your definition, it is very wrong for this to be kept held away from humanity. And I would agree with you if I, in the sense that I can definitely see where you're coming from. But if I was trying to play devil's avocado here, I would say that what if the people who are keeping this secret truly believe that they are doing the right thing? And that depends on their own personal definition of what is right and what is wrong. And, you know, the same thing with anything that you look at, right? There are two sides to every story. There are opposing forces in every war and every battle that has ever been fought. And unfortunately, every person in those wars uh, thought that, that they were on the right side of, of history. And as history plays out, the winner ends up getting to decide who's right and who's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean, I do, but I feel like they themselves, who are they to dictate what is good and what is bad? Who well, are let, they? Let me let me pose this that? reality to you. What if, what if they found out that humans are an experiment from aliens that tried to do genetic testing with their own DNA and primate DNA? What if those people believe that that would cripple the the world that we live in because everybody would know that everything that they've ever believed about anything since the moment that they were born was a lie. I believe that given the right person, if they were in a position to know and that's what they found out and then they found out that, oh, by the way, the moon is fake. The moon is a spaceship. It's a supercomputer. It's there to control our minds. And when we die, our souls get sucked into the center of the moon where it gets processed and manipulated and done with whatever will of whoever put that fucking thing there. And then, or what if they find out that we are in a simulation and these fucking flying saucers are just the fucking, the, the antivirus, uh, the things that keep our reality together and drawing awareness to that could cripple the time space continuum as we know it. What if that's the reality? Would a person in a position to know that believe that it's the right thing to keep that secret from humanity because they believe that reality itself would shatter if this got out? Well, why would they come to that conclusion? Again, we like, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know how they came to, to learn anything that they learned. We don't know anything until yeah. we experience it for ourselves, right? I'm just I'm just throwing out random potentialities, random yeah. possibilities, you know? I feel like, yeah, I feel like it could, I feel like we can handle it. I feel like we can handle it. No matter how soul crushing it is. And I feel like 
it's a, it's only a matter of time. And you know what I do think also? I think that this information has actually been revealed to us in the past. This won't be the first time this happens. Because I feel like there, I feel like there's been ancient civilizations that have roamed in this planet that have had, had access to this kind of technology and they were enlightened enough to learn and were smart enough. Well, I mean, apparently not smart enough because they're not, not, they're not around anymore, but maybe that's why. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they just couldn't handle the technology and, yeah. you know, talking about Atlantis, for example, which right. Atlantis was supposedly the entire world at the time and not necessarily a city, yeah. but I don't know, man. I feel like it's just, it's just an eventuality, you know, when we find out that what these things are and the implementation of this, I, let me just tell you something, bro. I want it to happen in our lifetime and I feel like we can make it happen. I feel like we just got to build an arm, build an army and storm area 51. <laughs> um, <laughs> Seriously. I believe, you know, we need I to believe do there's probably bro. nothing at area 51. I mean, at this point, it's such a widespread thing that if there was something there, you got to believe if they were smart, they would probably move it by now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or they could just do a, you know, hiding in plain sight kind of tactic, you know, and still keep that shit there. Maybe. That's, yeah. yeah. Who knows? I, I guess I'm curious, kind of shifting gears here, but what do you think of the Apple Vision Pro? Dude. That's like the next step in like just living in a in a virtual simulation. Simulation, yeah, yeah. That's it reminds me of uh, Wally, where everybody's like fucking fat, has no bone density. They're rolling around on these fucking chairs. They're just staring at these screens yeah. all day. I mean, we're basically already there, but yeah. this is, I feel like, a fast yeah. track, especially when you start combining this with fucking. If you if if Neuralink becomes a widespread thing and everybody's wearing Apple Vision Pro, I think Apple Vision Pro is basically like the Pong version of video games. I think Apple Vision Pro, 10 years from now, we're going to look back on and go, wow, why the fuck did we wear those bulky ass things on our faces? Because I think eventually Apple Vision Pro is going to turn into a contact, contact lens, lens. Where, you know? And it's going to be the exact same thing. And it's not going to be this fucking bulky thing with a wire coming out of it. But yeah. I think it's a fast track to that line. And and if that's the case, man, I mean, we, we will be androids. We will be computers in our brain and living in a fucking screen. But I really hope, and honestly, like talking in terms of UFOs and disclosure, to me, that has to take a backseat until we figure out the progress of technology on the computerized version of it, right? Because that's more urgent to me. And I think that's a bigger pressing problem because let's say that becomes a thing where everybody's fucking on Neuralink and everybody's on fucking Apple Vision Pro. That's the scariest thing to me because <laughs> that means we live in a reality where your literal brain is controlled by big corporations and i'm already over fucking youtube ads i don't know about you but youtube ads have seemingly been slowly getting longer and longer first it came with you gotta wait five seconds then it came now you gotta watch two five second ads now you get one unskippable ad and a five second to skip ad now you Dude. got three fucking full-length ads that you have to watch before you fucking imagine being in a world where to live in your reality 
you have to deal with ads being placed in your eyeballs. Dude, you ever played Cyberpunk? No. Have you ever heard of the game Cyberpunk 2077? Uh, No, I haven't. Oh, it's a good game. And it's literally exactly what you're saying. You're playing in this. Yeah, it's literally that where major corporations take over LA and then, uh, and the world basically. And so you, you know, currencies, digital cars are kind of digital as well. Everything is digital. And like you have prosthetics that are, that are, uh, um, that you could use as weapons and shit. Everything is, is digital. And you have like a neural interface in the game where like you, you know, you, it's like a VR, but it's like built into your brain. It's Neuralink. It's yeah. Neuralink, except we're early. I mean, it's 2024 and we've already had the first successful Neuralink implant. And Wait, I don't know. It's already it, happened. It already happened. They successfully did it. Yeah. And someone has Neuralink in their head right now. Yep. Are they able to speak multiple languages? I'm like not that? sure. I don't think so. Yeah. That I was thinking crazy. about this other night. Cause like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the long-term goal. It seems like is they want, I mean, they're going to slowly roll it out. Like people who are paralyzed are going to gain movement again. People who, who have been blind their whole life are going to be able to see, oh my God. Yes. That's a miracle. That's insane. however, yeah. if, if this thing is as advanced as Elon Musk wants it to be, what if, what if the first couple of trial runs in people who are paralyzed, they gain such intellectual and processing speed capability, such an advantage over regular humans that they become like that that Lucy chick from the movie Lucy to where Yo. they essentially become God. And now we have a fucking supervillain that was once a paralyzed fucking person who couldn't move, a paralyzed vegetable who was blind, and now who they're taking grudges. over the world. You yeah. Know? And now they're <laughs> they launch a personal vendetta against the whole world, yo. And if you get multiple people, we we have a fucking army of super previously paralyzed people who are taking over the world. <laughs> and now we're trying to play catch up to where just to fight with them, we have to all accept Neuralink into our fucking heads just to keep up, you know. And I saw people debating about this in sports. Like, what if you get some fucking guy who has Neuralink and he's the first college athlete or professional athlete to get Neuralink, he's processing shit way faster than anybody else can on the court or on the football field. Inherently, he has an advantage. So from a sports perspective, you got to keep it out of sports. And now we're drawing lines of who can and can't get this for one reason or another. But now you're you're creating a separation of humanity. People who can get this and people who can't get this. You know what I'm saying? And I don't like any of where this is going at all. I don't like it. I don't like that this fact that the Simpsons predicted it. I don't like any of this. It scares me. Yeah. Yeah. That is pretty scary. Yeah. I feel like there would have to be strict regulations and strict, like, like a strict uh, usage of it for sure. And there should be laws in place uh before this shit gets out of hand i mean it could get out of hand real quick even with ai even with ai there's been so many developments like in technology recently over the past like two years have you noticed like there's been so many like technological developments and i feel like we need we're, we're at that point where like we do need another technological leap because if you think about it i mean we're still there man we're there i mean i feel like we are 
But what I'm trying to say is like going back to the whole UAP shit. I feel like we still rely on electrical components. I still feel like we rely on gas. I still feel like we rely on, on, you know, old world type shit. And I think it's time to, to revolutionize shit again, you know, another industrial revolution type shit. So, I mean, this, uh, the, the, everything we've talked, been talking about, I think are two separate lines of technology that could both be world changing very quickly, depending on how quickly yeah. it comes out. And I believe that if I, here's what I, and I, I'm trying to think long-term here, right? I think going back yeah. to your original question of like, okay, what would it mean for humanity if, if this technology got released as far as anti-gravity free energy technology, I think in the short term, it would be very detrimental. I think in the long term, it'd be very, very beneficial. And that's kind of like where you're at, but I think it would take a while to get there. I think it would, there'd be a lot of course correcting that. Would well, you think be, it would be detrimental though? Because I think it would shatter a lot of people's realities. And I think also um, if this technology became widespread, now you got, terrorist organizations and just random hillbillies who before were operating on their fucking gas power powered tractors, but now have fucking flying machines that could zip in and out of airspace at light speed. And this is like widespread technology. Like I just, I, I think, I think there will be a period of course correcting to where it would get worse before it gets better. Um, And that scares me just because I think if it comes out in our lifetime, that shit we'll have to deal with. But I think maybe a hundred years later, maybe not even that long, I think ultimately it would be for the betterment of humanity. But I think there would be some sort of revolutions, civil wars, world, civil wars and world wars that would probably have to happen for that, for that to eventually become a positive for the human race. But when I look at things like Neuralink and Apple Vision Pro, and I think long-term about that, I think it's nothing but downside. Yeah. I can see the potential uses for it though. Like in the, in the immediate term, have you seen like, there was like a video of someone using the Apple vision pro and they were literally p- playing piano. They learned yeah. piano because it was able to architect the entire piano keyboard. Yeah. And they were, it was like guitar hero, but for piano and it was teaching them how to do, how to play the notes and play a song through a visual representation right. of like, it's like guitar hero, but for piano. I mean, what we're really talking about here is something that has been around for a long time and that's augmented reality. Like a Google glass yeah. has tried to do this for a long time. It's yeah. not a new, it's not like so reality shattering that it's like so outside, like this is what we've been working towards for a long time. But, yeah. you know, like I'm sure you've heard about this, but like technology the rate of increase in the advancement of technology is an exponential curve. Meaning if you look back and follow me here on this one, if you take someone from maybe the year 1900 and you transported him to the year, let's say, uh, you know, a thousand AD or whatever, right? He, the, the difference in technology, even if you went like 4,000 years ago, the difference in technology is not so drastically different to where he couldn't like some, or let, let me reverse. If you took someone from a 5,000 years ago and put them in the year 1900, 
it might not be that different to where they could maybe conceptualize things. But if you took someone from 5,000 years ago and teleported them to today or showed them a smartphone, right? It might be so reality shattering that they would go probably go into a state of shock, maybe have a heart attack, right? And so from a thought experiment type of point of view, right? How long back would you have to go to where the the leap in technology, if you just popped them into that year, would be so vastly different that they would not even be able to make sense of anything that they're seeing. And I think right now, what that kind of shows you is that the advancement of technology has been an exponential curve to where maybe within the last hundred years, we've started to hit that little curve to where it starts to take an upswing. The way that I'm seeing things progressing, at least since the year 2000, it seems that not only have we been on the exponential upswing, but I believe we're starting to get to a place where it's like a straight line up to where literally every year it doubles in advancement. And so, you know, if you took someone from 1980 and put them to today, it would be fucking pretty advanced, right? And they would be like, holy shit, we've come a long way. But if you take someone from today and put them 40 years from now, my God, I believe it would probably be just as mind blowing as someone from 5,000 years ago to, to like the year 19 or to the year 1980. You know, I think it would be so fucking crazy even just 40 years from now. You really do think so? Yeah. I think we're on the, on the, on the straight lineup of the uh, exponential curve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I mean, yeah, we have made advancements for sure. Like in the past, like, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but you know, we're still working with like basic, you know, hardware, like we're still working with hard drives, you know, we're still like, there's no, there's a, there's, you know, there's no computer right now. That's like fit. That's like this, you know? Um, but we're getting there, right? Just the size are. of the computer chip, the microchip in itself has like exponentially like decreased in size to where they are very fucking small. And part of that went from, uh, I, I remember like, you know, maybe 10 years ago, the talk about getting microchips even smaller was going from, you know, carbon-based microchips to like silicon-based microchips. Now they're talking about going into a system, which is already, I'm pretty sure being worked on. And this is probably if you extrapolate, extrapolate out maybe where Neuralink might be going, but right now computer programs operate on ones and zeros. So there's like two things that really dictate it, right? But DNA is the next level because DNA has basically four main components that make it make it up, right? And so you would, if you can somehow store information in DNA rather than ones and zeros, where you have four things rather than two things, immediately you double your capacity, if not do more than that, you know? Right. And that's already being worked on. And that's like where we get into quantum computers. Quantum computers is a whole other fucking thing, right? Because quantum computing is not based off of ones, zeros, or, you know, the, the, the fucking molecules that make up DNA. Quantum computing is all about probabilities. Have you ever heard of the Schrodinger's cat? Yeah. So the probability, so basically for listeners who don't know what Schrodinger's cat is, it's basically a thought experiment that is kind of like a demonstration of quantum physics. But if you take a cat and you put it in a box where the lid of the box is closed, so you can't see inside of the box and you put it in there with a um, random time release capsule of like poison or whatever, right? Well, if you wait a day or two, you 
now have to guess what is the probability that the cat is either alive or dead, right? And so the way quantum physics works is essentially, and this is actually really trippy, and this is why there's so much to our reality that we don't really understand because quantum physics is so fucking weird in itself. But basically this comes down to the double slit experiment. The double slit experiment basically shows that light has a unique property of acting like both a particle and a wave. We think of light as, as waves, like light waves or whatever. But um, depending on, you know, when you shoot a laser beam through a slit, it'll, it'll basically put out a barcode on the wall behind it of like where, how the light scatters, right? And the weird thing about it is it will either act like a particle or a light wave depending on if you observe it. Just the act of you observing it changes how it how it acts, right? And so now this is quantum physics. So the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment basically says that the cat, until you open the box and observe if it is either alive or dead, until that happens, it lives in a superposition of both being alive, uh, both being alive and dead at the exact same time. And that superposition is kind of like a, a meta state that until there is an observer of it, it doesn't choose one reality or the other. Right. right. So this kind of bring, opens up the rabbit hole to multiple multiple dimensions, multiple realities, and consciousness as a fucking factor in everything that we're talking about here. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> I forgot how we got even, even onto that. What were you <laughs> saying before I brought up, brought up Schrodinger's cat? Well, we're talking about Neuralink and like, you know, technology and, how, and the rapid pace and, you know, how they may be using DNA to, you know, as a form of. Oh, yeah. So quantum computing yeah. is basically you can, uh, the quantum computer is not limited by ones and zeros. It is. Right. It is essentially unlimited because it can exist in superpositions of any possibility of any number of factors. And and based on whatever you want it to compute, it can instantly do it because it's you're just choosing a superposition that you want. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. This whole quantum theory talk, bro. You can't you can't do this to me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Because it's hard to wrap my brain around it, bro. I think everybody's. I even, yeah. yeah. I can't even comprehend cellular biology. <laughs> Man. I. Well, cellular biology, I mean, I have I a mean, biology yeah. degree. Uh, yeah. I actually love biology, but quantum shit is very fascinating to me. It is. Just yeah. because it's it's kind of like. It's kind of like magic and this is why there's a whole realm of theoretical physics because like there's that qu classic example of quantum physics of like electrons can have a mirror electron to where even if it's across the universe if one electron moves the other one will mirror it exactly instantaneously there's no delay right right so on the quantum level how can someone be how, how can something be separated across the universe theoretically and have instantaneous communication that is independent of the speed of light. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that actually exists in quantum physics. And that's something that they have been able to reproduce in labs where they study electrons and isolate electrons and things like that. So quantum physics is a whole field in itself. But I think what fascinates me and something that a lot of people are not talking about is consciousness. And ironically, 
you know, one of the craziest things about this is um, Edgar Mitchell, who is one of the astronauts who went to the moon. I don't know if you know this about him, but before he died, after he came back from the moon, obviously he became a big proponent of UFOs and aliens. I don't think he had ever seen a UFO to my knowledge, but he started this whole like institute for where they basically research consciousness. And the crazy thing about Edgar Mitchell and his hmm. realization that consciousness is a thing is I don't know exactly what the light bulb moment was for him, but essentially what happened was as they were coming back from the moon, and he's just looking out the window and he's looking into deep space with no light pollution, no atmosphere, just looking at earth as this tiny fucking ball in, this, in, in, in space that's so far away that they're kind of slowly drifting towards. He's looking out into the cosmos in probably the clearest way that very few humans have ever seen. And somehow he had this just realization that consciousness is an important factor in the, in the makeup of the the universe and i think even in our conversation today and and like the observer effect like there is something to be said about consciousness and even the the word consciousness is not even a, a concept that i could even comprehend until i took mushrooms myself and had some of the experiences that i talked about on previous episodes you know what i'm saying i feel like there is a source there's definitely a source i don't think that consciousness is housed in the body that we're in right now mm. I don't think that that's the case. I think that they're we're we're plugged into something somewhere, so we're somewhere else. Similar to the Matrix, you know how like in in the Matrix, Neo takes the red pill and then he wakes up in that fucking gooey, yeah, glob thing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like freaking out. That's what I. Where do you fear? think the consciousness originates? Where do you think it's coming from? From a black hole. Maybe. I mean, that's, that's a theory. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, where do I think it comes from? Um, definitely somewhere like somewhere. I don't know if it's somewhere. I think it may just be everywhere. So I'll, I'll uh, you, you remember how a couple episodes ago we were talking about you know, some of the commonalities that we've had on some of our mushroom trips. And one of the things was like this universal intelligence that you can kind of communicate with when you're being under the state of being influenced by oral DMT, which is what mushrooms are. Um, is it really? I thought it was psilocybin. So psilocybin gets converted to psilocin uh, in the liver, which is the psychoactive compound, right? Right. Psilocin, um, Base, maybe it's not the liver. I, I know it when it's digested after you yeah. ingest it, it gets it converted liver, to yeah. psilocin, right? Um, okay, yeah. so so psilocin, if you look at the co the chemical compound uh, that makes up psilocin, it looks almost identical to DMT. There, there's only one difference, and it is a hydroxy group, uh, which is a, a, an oxygen with a hydrogen um, that is on the molecule. And that is the only difference. And that difference is what makes psilocin uh, able to be uh, basically mushrooms. It, that's the That one difference is key for you to be able to have those effects by ingesting it, uh, by, by swallowing it and digesting it in your stomach, right? That's why you can't just eat fucking powdered DMT and have the same effect. For DMT to work, you have to like smoke it, right? And so the 
the way to think about this in my head is it's essentially like the difference of smoking weed versus eating weed. You know, mushrooms is just edible DMT. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can eat DMT too, though. Like, have you really? ever heard of ayahuasca? I have, but ayahuasca is not pure DMT. Ayahuasca is a mixture of plants um, that have chemicals and basically you have to combine them in the right mixture. You have to, it's a recipe and the recipe, which is like, how did they find this out thousands of years ago? But it's basically chemistry. When you combine these things in the right amounts, um, it, it really, it, it, the chem, the result of that chemical reaction is edible DMT. You know, it's essentially similar, very similar to eating mushrooms, but probably a lot more intense I, from what I hear. I've never done it. Yeah. That's what I hear too. It's all chemistry. So, Organic chemistry was one of my favorite classes yeah. in, in college. I studied nutrition, so I could definitely, you know, I could, I could definitely see how it could work, but so let me, so, so yeah, you were saying, you were saying about psilocin. Yeah. So, um, this is something that I realized with that universal intelligence that almost you can communicate with it. This is probably the second time I ever took mushrooms where I'm, I'm by myself. I'm in my apartment. My girlfriend's there. She's not girlfriend at the time, fiance currently, but she was not, um, taking this. She doesn't do any, anything like that. Right. So, um, I was taking it and I was essentially by myself and I went into a room listening to music because I didn't know, I still don't know. What are you supposed to do when you're on mushrooms? I don't know. Sometimes I watch movies. Sometimes I sit in silence. Right. But, um, uh, and sometimes I listen to music on this particular time I took it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into this dark room. I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to listen to, to some like, just like instrumental music or whatever. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking like, wait, am I feeling it? Is it kicking in? Is this supposed to happen? Am I supposed to be feeling this? And then boom, something happens to where anytime I start to wonder things, I start to get a response in my head. And basically the first responses were to my like, wait, am I supposed to feel this? Is this supposed to happen? Is, is that mean it's kicking in? Cause I'm inexperienced. Right. And this, whatever you want to think of it, call it universal intelligence, call it the mushrooms, call it just a voice and in fuck inside my head. Right. But it basically was like, stop trying to control the trip. Whatever happens, happens. It is what it is. And that's basically what it said to me. And I was like, okay. And so I kind of just relinquished control and I started listening to music and I started wondering about like consciousness and things like this. And I had this image, this very clear, I guess not very clear image. Like I'm looking at this fucking desk and this computer and this camera, but like almost like a daydream. I, I had this image that was like what I would believe is given to me. Whereas it was like an analogy. Consciousness is like the electricity that flows into a light bulb. A light bulb is your body. And so your body is temporary, just like light bulbs are. But the consciousness, the flow of electricity is always there. And basically, you can have multiple light bulbs, but the source of that electricity is always there and it's all the same. And so the, the real trippy thought that came out of that for me is like, my consciousness might actually be the same as your consciousness, but we have two different vessels that it is kind of just compartmentalized in right now. But once, and this is like, if you hear about people talking about 
near-death experiences people even report seeing like this kind of all-knowing thing when they take like frog venom i've heard where they feel like they they go back to source right and that's really trippy for me because that means to me that what if god is the source of consciousness and this is what people say on like um on dmt and all this that i'm god you're god or whatever i think what they mean is that our consciousness is just kind of compartmentalized in our vessel which is our body but once you die it just goes back to the fucking pool and we are but it's all the same exact thing you know what i'm saying and then maybe that's where the idea of like reincarnation comes in and again like here's the craziest part about all this this is just a, a realization that came to me when i was on mushrooms like the second time ever and it really helped me make sense of what a lot of people say which is also the trippy thought which is like we're all God. We're all the same thing. We all have go back to source energy, you know, and these like, how, how crazy is it that from a scientific perspective, whenever people take this substance, they all have the same exact realization. You know, if, it, if, if there was nothing to this, then you would think that all of these hallucinations are just like, like our brainwaves firing and it's just nothing more than your brain daydreaming. But... I don't think that makes sense if we're all having the same takeaways. You know what I'm saying? It's not. And we are. And everybody that does experience these trips do have the general same takeaways. Um, and so the only thing, my only fear, and this is just like a just a fear, you know, you love people in your life, right? Like you love your your fiance, and you know, I love my wife and I love my kids. And the only problem that I see with that is that if we're just consciousness, if we're just energy, all the experiences and everything that I've been through in my life, all of that, was that just for nothing? Or is that just to elevate? I have a theory about this. Yeah. What's your theory? My theory. Because, bro, it's not like, like, if you think yeah, about it. Gonna say, yeah. yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, like that's powerful. You know what I mean? Like having, having close, like close relationships with people and like, you know, you love them like, and and you can't envision your life without them. Yeah. Like they're almost part of you and they are like, even if you have kids, is that an extension of your consciousness? How does that work? I know that energy cannot be created or destroyed. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so that's that's a law of physics. Yeah. And so what were you going to say? I've thought about this quite a bit um, because yeah. because I don't want to feel like my life didn't mean anything. And, right. and if that's the truth, I, it almost makes you feel insignificant to a degree. Now, here's kind of the conclusion that I've come to after really contemplating the same questions is that whatever this source of consciousness, whatever the source of energy is, if it is God or the universe – and we are really just the universe experiencing itself. What I believe is that every person has a unique life. And I believe that the people who have the best lives, according to, um, you know, this idea are the people who have gone through the most growth, meaning that sometimes people like I was telling you about my dad from the moment he was born had a lot of hardship and he made something of himself right uh before he before he passed away and to me 
I believe life is all about overcoming hardships and learning life lessons out of that, learning about love, learning about controlling your ego, learning about overcoming adversity. I believe the more adversity you face, the more blessed you are. I believe that that is for a reason. I, be, I believe people who live a happy life ultimately are like the lowest form of, of incarnation of whatever that, that source is. And I, and that's just my theory. And along those lines, I think it's because every time you and I face a hardship and overcome it, instead of giving up or whatever, I think ultimately that is what we're here to do. And so in a way that has made me grateful for a lot of hardships or a lot of things that I've gone through in my life. And also in a way it makes me want to seek out hardships so that I, that way I can overcome it. That way I can prove to myself that I am capable, that I am worthy, that, and I think, I think that's ultimately the purpose of all of this, in my opinion, you know, and that's just my theory that I've come to based off of just like having some experiences and really contemplating the same idea. But, and that's, 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 that's deep, but let me ask you this. What about people that are born into this world with problems? And I'm talking about debilitating problems, people that have, you know, people that are paraplegic, people that can't speak, people that are deformed, you know, that are born with deformities. Yeah. What about them? What's, what's the objective with them? Like in terms of the consciousness, you know, one of the things that my dad had always said to me, he said to me this several times, but one specific example, it will, it, I'll always remember it. We were driving down the road one day, just a regular day in my hometown. And we saw this dude who was walking on the sidewalk and he clearly had a disability of some sort. Like his arm was all the way out here and he was walking like this. And I was like, man, that, you know, that sucks that he's like that. Like, I feel sorry yeah. that he has to be walking on the sidewalk by himself. And he's like that. My dad said to me, he goes, you might not know it from the outside looking in, but he could be the happiest person on earth. He might be happier than both you and I. And I yeah. think regardless of how, what circumstance you were born into, if you, if you tend to believe in a universal intelligence, which I don't, I don't think I did until I took mushrooms, I believe that that is a life path that was intentionally chosen before he was born by whatever his packet of consciousness is. And I believe that it was chosen on purpose to experience hardship and learn whatever lessons could come out of that. And so I, I also want to address like something you said earlier, like, you know, you don't want, you don't want to feel like, you know, the people that you know, and the life that you live was meaningless. I've also thought about this in the sense of, okay, if you die, and your consciousness goes somewhere else. I Do think you your consciousness. Everything? I don't think it. I don't think for you forget everything. I think that you take all the life lessons that you that you learned in your life, all the hardships that you overcame, and you feel a deep sense of gratitude for a lot of it, and you see it for what it is. And here's what I mean: if you really think about. Every fear, every motivation, everything that you've ever wanted to do or everything you've ever not wanted to do, everything you've ever thought was right or wrong, if you really think about it, all of that is formed out of your body's need for survival and reproduction. And the ego is like the, the driver's seat to help you make sense of and decide what is right and wrong, who you like and who you don't like. And the ego, again, is really just there to help you as a as a as a physical 
DNA carrying thing survive and reproduce. We humans are viruses. All we want to do is reproduce. Okay. Yeah. And mo most of our motivations from what we eat, from what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, from the people that we associate with comes down to the survival instinct of the body. Now get this, when you die and your body is no longer alive and all you are is consciousness, the ego is no longer there. The, the need for survival and reproduction is no longer there. Your consciousness in its pure form doesn't worry about the same shit that you worry about because many of your worries and fears are based off of your need to survive and reproduce until tomorrow and, and raise your kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what so is I the think need? the, what were you gonna say? Yeah. So I was going to say, what is the need for consciousness then? Like what is, what, what motivation does consciousness have in general once it exits the body? Is it just like, to go on to the next? <laughs> I, who knows? Maybe you come yeah. back in a different form of life, but I think ultimately you probably, and this is probably, and I think some of this has been formed from me hearing other people's experiences from smoking DMT, where they just go straight into that realm. Um, I think, I think your packet of consciousness can either choose to go off and learn another lesson through another life and you get to choose. And I think it's almost like an honor to choose the hardest life to overcome a lot of the hardships. Um, and I think it's the easy way out to choose the easy way to where that's probably less honorable uh, to choose that. And I think, I think in that realm, you know, cause people talk about having life reviews. If you like listen to near death experiences and DMT yeah. and they talk about the classroom and you're sitting there and there's other consciousnesses in there. And then they also talk about like coming back from a, like going into a DMT trip and they meet all these beings that they're, it's like, they felt like they've known forever. And, mm -hmm. and the way they describe it is like, these people are happy to see them, but then they're like, but you can't stay here. You got to go back. Mm -hmm. And the way I think about that is like a kid going off to college and then coming back home for Christmas break. And it's like, man, I don't want to go back to school. And your parents are like, I know, but you have to go back to school, you know? And I, I feel like yeah. it's kind of a similar thing to where when we die, we, it might just all be the same consciousness or you have your own individual packet of consciousness and you might want to choose to come back as, someone in a, in a completely different walk of life with different hardships and different problems. And that might be like the most desirable thing for your consciousness. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And do you think that consciousness is directly tied to the human being? Like say if we wanted to like transform into like a, a lizard, I don't know. Is that just yeah, like a no lower form of consciousness? See, that's where, that's where it gets me with this whole mm. consciousness thing. Right. Is like, like, I mean, yeah, but are we just confined to the human body? Who's to say that we can't just spawn on another planet as an alien or as like a, another, you know, bipedal intelligent life form, right? Yeah. And I think that's ultimately think why that. a lot of people want to, to know the truth about UFOs and aliens, because, you know, long term, once it's confirmed, then you got to think about the implications of all that, because that's going to open the floodgates to all these different questions that you might have about the nature of reality. Like, what do they think about, uh, you know, the afterlife? What do they think about religion and God? Do they even think about things like that? And I believe that 
you know, that really opens up the floodgates. Maybe that is possible. And maybe if you live a really bad life, like let's say you quit and commit suicide tomorrow, or let's say like you, you are a terrible person and you didn't learn any life lessons. Maybe you do come back in a lower form of consciousness. Maybe you do come back as a fucking gnat or a mosquito, you know, until you Mm. can work your way up. Um, and, and people who are on DMT trips who claim that they go into this fucking reality where they're like, what seems like the, where you go in the afterlife, they almost, I forgot where I was going to go with this, but it almost, yeah, I don't know. I I just, Hmm. it's such a trippy thought. Like one of the trippiest thoughts I've had around this whole line of thinking too, is like, what if there is only one consciousness and it reincarnates itself to learn different life lessons. Well, I guess what I was going to say is like, they, they almost treat it like it's an honor to have a human experience. And I think that's why people say that humans are actually really important in, in terms of like the cosmos and like why aliens are interested in us, because maybe planet earth from an energetic level, from a human experience level is like the, the, the fastest form to consciousness growth. You know, and so like it's an honor mm-hmm. to to have a human experience. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I guess the other trippy thought that I was going to say is like, what if there's only one consciousness and it keeps reincarnating itself at different points in time with different life experiences? And, and you and I are literally the same thing. And basically we've been reincarnated billions and billions and billions of time times. And every person is a different iteration of your reincarnation. <laughs> oh man (laughs) it's crazy bro i think about this on a regular basis ironically jesus how do you sleep (laughs) it's hard man like I'll, I'll meet some people who I feel like our lives are very similar. Our personalities are very similar. And I go, Oh crap. If that theory is real and this actually crosses my mind sometimes, if that theory is real, what if this person is like very close to me in the line of, of reincarnations? Like it's like two or three reincarnations Mm. away from me. You know what I'm saying? And Mm. now this person is just a person that I know, but they're very similar to me. It is a very trippy thought. Do and you people think that who are vastly different than you are just like billions of reincarnations away from you, you know? Mm. Yeah. I read a book on NDEs about a nurse who actually worked in an ER and she would see death all the time. And she actually studied NDEs and, you know, nurses don't, and they don't really do that. Like they don't really believe that kind of stuff. You know, they just, but from what she saw, like on a daily basis, I mean, she would work with people dying almost every day, if not every day. She would report people dying, right? And then coming back to life, you know, being resuscitated in whatever way, and then report the same stories, the same exact stories, them, their bodies exiting, their, 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 their souls exiting their bodies, you know, looking at their bodies. And literally traveling, you know, like walking through the hospital as like uh, a form of like, yeah, like consciousness. Um, And then, 
seeing what other people are doing in other rooms at specific times in that same hospital. And then, you know, pinpointing certain things like I believe it was like a pencil dropping, like a doctor was writing and then he dropped his pencil and then like little minute things that these people have reported once they are resuscitated and telling the nurses, oh, you know, uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Dr. Johnny dropped a pencil at, you know, at this specific time and then it blowing your minds because it really did happen in that specific room at that specific time. And it's not just one, one case like that that's happened. So it really does make me think that like, are we really just more than just meat and bones, which I really don't think that we are. I think that there's, there's so much subjective evidence and I feel like subjective evidence can be, you know, I think there's some, uh, there's some merit to it, you know? Yeah. Uh, rather than just something that you could test. I feel like eventually we'll be able to test it though. For sure. There should be a way to test. Have you ever heard of astral projection? Yeah. I've tried it. Really? I felt I felt like I bro, I felt like I was this close to astral projecting, but I can never get to that point. Okay. Tell me about it. Yeah. I would I went to the beach one time and this was I was I was going through a tough time, but I went to the beach and I just lied down in the sand and I told myself, I'm like, just you know, relax, take a deep breath did the breath work. And then I felt like something pulling, like, like I was being pulled. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but I felt like, like it was being pulled, but it wouldn't like, it would just stay attached to me. You know what I mean? Like my soul Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. But I felt, I felt like I was about to fucking exit my body, bro. And, and, and traverse, the cosmos, which was my mm-hmm. intention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was my intention to, yeah, to leave my body, but it, it felt like I could never happen. The only time that really did happen though, where I felt like it did was when I did uh, shrooms the first time. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I, the time I think you had the skulls in the sand or whatever. Yep. Around gotcha. that time. Yeah. Yep. Did that, we already that tell trip. that story on this podcast? Yeah. 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 Okay. That was my first, that was my first trip. And, you know, like I say, you know, proceed at your own risk and shit, but like, um, yeah, I took, I took it and then I was just walking and it felt like there was a camera right behind me, you know? And, but it was, that camera was me. That camera was me. I was walking. My body was sentiently walking in front of me and I was the camera behind me for like Mm. three seconds. It felt like, um, and then the third time that I did psychedelic mushrooms, was one of the craziest experiences of my life because I actually lost consciousness. I okay. got up all of a sudden, similar to the way that I remember you were telling me that story about you getting up and, you know, sometimes it happens where we get up all of a sudden and our vision just goes black. Right. Listen, man, that one trip, the way that I consumed the mushrooms was through a BK salad that had zero nutrition in it. This BK salad was like $2, right? I'm just like, you know, whatever. Like, let's just try to make it as appetizing as possible. And so I just made it the croutons of the salad, the shrooms. And as I was eating it, you know, I felt like throwing up. It was terrible. But yeah, as soon as it hit me, 
I felt like there was like an electrolyte imbalance in my body or something happened where like I got up all of a sudden and then I, I literally passed out. Like, I don't remember the, the last thing that I remember was me standing up. And the next thing that I remember is me waking up to a pool of blood on the floor and my nose was contorted. Like I had, I still have the deviated septum from it. Hmm. And did you break your nose? I, yeah, I broke my nose. Yeah. And it stayed broken. Like it just solidified. Cause like once you break your nose, it just stays, you know? And so I got up and I was so confused. I was looking, it definitely was a wake up call. Cause I was, I was going through the motions, bro. I was, I was in it. I was experiencing it, mm-hmm. but I woke up and then that triggered the worst anxiety and panic attack of my life, dude. I thought I was dying. I was seeing blood on the floor, blood on my hands, blood on my forehead. I had a bruise on my forehead. Wow. The, the, the my best friend, you know, the guy that I was tripping with, he was he was also on shrooms and we were alone and unsupervised yeah. and always hire get a trip sitter uh to be there that's sober um but we were each other's trip sitters and we were both under the influence of shrooms and so he just started screaming love love he said at the end of it all is just love while i was tripping with blood on my on my nose and on my face. Why did he say that? Do you know why? Did you ask him like where he got the thought to just be like, Oh my God, you broke your nose. Love is the answer. (laughs) Literally. How's Um, that connected? Like, where did he get that from? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that he was so like, he, he, he was going through it, seeing me bleed to where his brain kind of reconfigured itself to a more positive standpoint, like just to a more positive perspective to mask what was going on. And he just kept saying, Oh, love, love is the end. Like love at the end of it all. It's just love and just screaming. You want to hear some crazy shit about that, bro? Yeah. I think that there's something to what he was saying though. I think, I thought, I think I'm pretty sure he was, he was, he was onto something. He was tapped into something. So you remember, a couple episodes ago, I told you about me seeing sacred geometry and all these geometric shapes when I took a bunch of mushrooms with my buddy that one time. And then we watched the movie Basic Instinct. And mm-hmm. it was just like the craziest because Basic Instinct is a movie about. Have you seen you've seen it, right? Have you watched it since we talked yeah, about it? Yeah, when I was it? like nine, when I was like eight or nine. OK, the movie yeah. is about this fucking lady who is, is, is like this romance novel author And she also incorporates a lot of like crime in her romance novels. And essentially she was a main suspect in a person dying in a very, in like the exact same nature as her best-selling book that had just come out. So she's this prime suspect. So the whole movie is these detectives trying to interact with her and interview her and, and figure out if she's actually a fucking ravenous killer with this fucking kink like she that she writes about in her books and she's trying to live out her books that always end in fucking death um and and so that's kind of the concept of the movie so the movie while i'm tripping balls on mushrooms is just everybody getting pissed off at each other and stabbing each other and then figuring out who's who's the actual stabber right and so get this this relates to what you were just saying the end scene of the movie is the main detective falls in love with this woman who's the prime suspect and they're having sex. This is the final scene of the movie. 
and you think everything's all right, but you don't know how how this is going to pan out because the movie does a good job of keeping you on the edge of your seat to where you don't know what's going to happen next, right? At any given moment. And the movie ends with her reaching over on her side of the bed. And you think she's going to reach her back over with an ice pick and stab this fucking guy to death. And he reaches over on his side of the bed and you don't see what he's reaching for. He could be reaching for a gun. He could not be reaching for a gun. Then you see her grasp this ice pick because the whole movie she's been, they like have drinks so that she uses an ice pick to chip off ice and make drinks for each other. Right? So she grasped this ice pick because the opening scene of the movie talk about storytelling was a blonde lady stabbing a guy to death after they have sex with an ice pick. That's, that's basically the opening scene. So the ending scene of the movie, they just had sex. The main characters of the movie, she reached over, you see her grab this ice pick and you think, oh my God, she's going to do it. She's going to stab him. She's going to stab him. And then at the last second, she drops the ice pick and both of them come together and start making out again. Fade to black. End of the movie. Me Damn. tripping balls on mushrooms. After having seen all this sacred geometry, after having had such an intense experience of watching all these people stab each other in this movie, the first words out of my mouth at the end of that movie when it cut to black Love is the answer. It's all about love. Oh my God. Love is the, it's all about love. <laughs> yeah. That's I swear so to God, weird. that was the exact words out of my mouth. And that's crazy. No why you said that about your brother or your buddy. Yeah, that's crazy. And honestly, man. Yeah. I think he was definitely onto something. I think that's just the source communicating to you, whatever it is, whatever it is. I think that, it, that it's just communicating that love is the most important thing. Love yeah. is the most important thing. And it's what really, I feel like it's what, uh, I feel like we're losing that in a way. What do you mean? What do you mean? Why do you say that? I feel like we're losing it as like a species. I don't know. I feel like younger generations are just becoming a little bit more cold and like robotic i don't know mm. that's just me um that's just from what i've i've experienced but yeah maybe that i don't know if it's technology that's doing you know that's like the double-edged sword of technology itself is us losing ourselves as humans i agree i think <laughs> and this is what people talk about on gaia and have been for years but they they talk about uh, AI being a race of, uh, um, uh, like a, a bad race of extraterrestrial, which it's just all AI. And they think AI is literally already infiltrating humanity like a virus. And so if you think about it, AI, if it is a bad thing, which people on Gaia have been saying for years, the more a, the more AI becomes relevant, even in today's day where we got chat GPT, we got Neuralink, we got AI is the boom right now, right? That's yeah. why I say I I truly don't see this going well. The the advancement of AI, I am I'm more scared of that than anything UFO related because I don't I think it ultimately kind of removes us from connection and and love and it kind of distracts you it makes you anxious then you're trapped in this fucking rat race of capitalism i think i think a lot of this stuff is here to stay unless something drastic like maybe a world war happens and i hate to say that but i just don't think i don't see this ending well
you know? Yeah. And I hate to be pessimistic, but that's just, I, I don't see, I don't see, I, I think Pandora's box is already opened. And I think we're on the fast track to going down a road that we have no control over. We are fucking just flying down the road in a flying metal death trap at hundreds of miles an hour with no brakes. And I, I don't see it ending well. Unless we are intercepted. Unless we're intercepted by some other intelligent, more superior technologically race that will let us know, like, yo, y'all be fucking up. Y'all got to fix your shit. Y'all got to get it together and impose, impose, remove our free will for just like a second, for just for like a day and let us know you're doing it wrong. You got to reboot. You got to reach, you got to restructure your thinking and your animalistic tendencies, which is really what's going, been going on. And you know, what's crazy there have been nuclear missile silos that have been deactivated by UFOs. That is one thing that is trippy as hell because it seems like there, there is an, uh, some sort of either something doesn't want us messing around with nukes, something, because there have been nuclear, nuclear missile bases that have essentially been deactivated by something. Yeah, I actually did a whole video on this on Mindfucked. I know, I saw. And it's a good yeah. video. Because Thank guess you. what? A lot of that shit is real. A lot of that yeah. shit has happened. Have you heard of Robert Salas? Oh, yeah. Yep. His story's crazy. His story's yeah. crazy. And I'll tell you, man, there's also been stories of nuclear missile silos that have been activated. Like DEFCON 1 type shit. In Russia. In Russia. With nukes pointed towards the U.S. And Russia ha- cannot control. Like, holy shit, we're about to accidentally start World War Three, and we didn't even mean to. And that's crazy. Because now it's not just about them deactivating it. It's also about uh, them warning us, like, yo, we'll fuck your shit up if we want to. You know? But we're not yeah. going to. So I feel like scares like that allow uh, them or allow us to put it into perspective when shit like that does happen. Like, yo, this world is worth saving. And so there's something that is trying to show us that. I agree. Honestly, I feel like, like if, if humans were meant to just figure this out on our own, that's where a lot of my pessimism comes from, because I think that's going to take a lot of time or depending on how fast technology advances, which again, I said earlier, I think we're already on the exponential up curve. I think we're on the straight. We're not even on the curve. I think we were on the curve for the last maybe 40 years. I think we're on the straight line up. So I yeah. think that means that next year, capacity is going to double. Next year, pe- capacity is going to double. And it's going to keep doubling until it gets fucking out of control, whack control, right? And I think if we extrapolate a lot of what we're doing now, again, if we're that, if we're going that fast and we kind of can't stop this Pandora's box. I don't see it ending well. If humanity is left to solve it on their own, I think it's going to start a lot of, I think it's going to enslave a lot of people and I think it's going to start a lot of wars. And I believe that that could ultimately be the downfall of humanity. Now, uh, if humanity somehow survives, I believe that um, ultimately in the long, long term, 
it'll ring good because I think that might be the, the the key to a utopian society where we have free energy, where there are no wars, where people love each other. Um, but until then, I think the the only way out that I see to avoid that whole thing and skip skip ahead is if aliens reveal themselves in a way that cannot be hidden and they are here to help. That's the only solution that I can think of. Same here. Intervention is key, especially at this point. I mean, we've already we're already so deep and so we're in the we're in the black hole. We we're are we hole. are definitely in the we were in the black hole the moment we started talking about reincarnation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're definitely in the black hole and something needs to come save us. Something. Whatever's out there. Come save us. Please. <laughs> For crying out loud, dude. I mean, yeah man you know yeah. ironically speaking about you know because we were talking a little bit about that time that you broke your nose on mushrooms before and then we kind of were like we got we got to get this on the pod um the part that i didn't necessarily get to was like um i told you my story of how i passed out and i'll, I'll recollect it here but there was a i mean that that day changed my life in a lot of ways um because what i was telling you before and what i'll say now on the pod is like in 2021 and 2022, um, because of the way I had set up my online business, which is a dating advice business, I had to refigure out a lot of shit because I was, prior to COVID happening, I was building my business in a way to where I was prepared to do a lot of live events, like Tony Robbins style live events. And I was going to successfully do it, right? But COVID happened and live events became virtually impossible. And yeah. I had to restructure my entire shit. And so for a couple of years, I went through a lot of anxiety and, and just like, just days where I, months, two years where I felt like I could not take a break. I had to work nonstop sun up to sundown. And it led to this time in 2021 where I was taking 20 plus milligrams of Adderall every day. I was waking and baking until the moment I went to sleep. I was drinking a pot and a half of coffee every day. And I was sitting, not working out, staring at my computer screen, trying to rebuild my business basically from scratch. And th during that time, uh, while taking all those fucking stimulants and skipping workouts, I gained like 30 pounds and got into a place where I was just so anxious. I wasn't really sleeping that much. And uh, borderline depressed. Right. And so, um, basically at the time I wasn't posting conspiracy theory content or whatever. Um, and I had like maybe 1500 followers on Instagram and these are people who followed me for my dating advice. And so every now and then I would, you know, have people message me on, on Instagram and they would be like, you know, at reaching out for help or coaching or whatever. And so one of these guys who was in his twenties at the time basically was like, uh, Hey man, I need help. Blah, blah, blah. He basically reached out for help. Right. And then I was like, yeah, okay, let's, let's hop on the phone and, and you can tell me all about it. Right. And then he basically without, without ever talking to me, he's like, Hey man, you know, actually now's not the best time. Why don't we talk in a few months? And so I was like, sure, man, I can, I can reach out in a few months and see what's good. So long story short, a few months down the road, I reach out, maybe it's like three months later, uh, just DM him on Instagram again. And uh, his sister DMs me back from his account and she goes, hey, uh, this is his sister. I just want to let you know that um, he passed away. 
And I was like, oh shit. So I actually Googled this guy's name and I found that there was this whole GoFundMe for him and it was legit. Like this dude like tragically passed away in his twenties. I don't know the details. I don't know what happened, um, but it, it was kind of tragic. And so when this, when I read this DM, essentially uh, I was on a, a, probably at the peak of all of this like bad lifestyle choices happening to where I had gone four or five days in a row where I was in front of my computer screen in a dark room for 12 hours, 12 to 15 hours a day. I had, I was going off four hours of sleep every night. And on that particular day, the day before, because I read this first thing in the morning when I was in bed uh, after only four hours of sleep prepared to do all of this over again. But that previous day I had worked for 16 hours. I'd taken 35 milligrams of Adderall. I had drinking two pots of coffee and I had smoked an ungodly amount of weed that day, probably like six joints or some shit. Right. And, and, um, I was fully prepared to do that for the sixth day in a row, basically. Um, but anyways, I'm laying there in bed. I read this DM and I think to myself, fuck, man, that's so bad that he passed away. And for a brief moment, I contemplated the shortness of life and I really felt, you know, almost gratitude for, for, and also like, you know, sympathy. Like I, I felt this is a tragic event, but I also just like contemplated the shortness of life. So in that moment, after contemplating it for a few seconds, I go, okay, time to get to work. I stand up out of bed. Next thing I know, my face hits the ground, my shoulder hits the ground and my phone flies across the room. My dog runs away scared. And basically I lost consciousness and I basically woke back up the instant I hit the ground but I'd never just fucking passed out like that. And I, I had no, I was confused. I had no idea what happened. Like the first, as soon as I hit the ground, I was like, what, what's happening? What happened? What happened? Cause I was so confused. Why am I hitting the ground? I don't remember how I got here. I don't even yeah. remember anything that was happening before this at the time. Yeah. It took me 30 minutes to realize I was in bed and I stood up and passed out. You know, cause I was just so confused and my girlfriend yeah. was in the other room. She was like kind of making fun of me cause she didn't realize the state of confusion that I was in. And, um, my dog was scared, you know? And, uh, after that day, I really contemplated the shortness of life. And, you know, you and I had a whole discussion about weed and, and Adderall before we hit record, but that was the day I was like, I gotta not skip workouts anymore. I got to get my, my health and nutrition under control. I got to stop just pumping myself with Adderall and marijuana from sunup to sundown. I got to start getting better sleep. So I, I got this whoop band and I've worn it ever since. And I've, I still take Adderall. I still smoke weed, but I am way more, uh, cautious. Conscious. Yeah. 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 That's what, I mean, that's what happened to me. Um, I actually had that's a crazy story, by the way. And I believe what you had was hypo or uh, orthostatic hyper hypotension or something like yeah. that. I think the like, other word for it is sine sine cope. S y n c o p e. It's basically syn the same thing. Yeah. It's just uh, it's sine syncope is the the medical term for passing out due to your momentary drop in blood pressure from standing up too fast. Yep. Yep. And that's essentially what you're saying, but with Latin terms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, I've had revelations like that in my life where I, 
you know, I start, I started questioning and I blame some of the shroom trips that I've and the acid trips that I've done in the past, uh, that have really like brought some kind of self-awareness as to like, yo, I'm mortal. I got to do the best to take care of my, my vessel while I'm here on this planet. I got to make sure, you know, you know, I'm driving a fucking Lamborghini, you know what I mean? And that's not, and that's not like, you know, to hype myself up and shit, but like, I got to do my best to make sure that I'm using synthetic oil. Cause you know, if, if I'm not taking good care of myself, you know, my kids, they need someone to look up to, you know, my wife needs a partner to be there for her when shit goes, you know, when shit hits the fan. And so, and this was before I had a wife and kids, but it's still, you know, I had that in mind going into it and changing and restructuring my nutrition and restructuring my lifestyle choices. And that's something that to this day, bro, I'm like super vigilant. I'm vigilant as to like what I drink water from, um, the amount of microplastics that I, I don't eat seafood because of the amount of fucking microplastics that pollute our fucking oceans. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, I, you know, I've, I've kind of like gone back to like a more ancestral type way of living, you know, um, going back to like, you know, how we were, you know, with, without the fucking, you know, synthetic clothes and, you know, I'm not that extreme, but like, you know, not using fucking laundry detergent that has ingredients that you can't even pronounce, you know, ingesting foods that you can't fucking you know, recognize, you know, like yeah. yellow five and shit like that. Um, Bruh, I have a, I have a question I want to ask you. It's kind of going back to our, it might be going back to the topic that we were talking about earlier around like reincarnation or just consciousness. And I, I, I've, I've had this weird thought and I want to ask it to you because yeah. I wonder if there's something to it. And I, I don't mean any homo by this. All right. So don't take this <laughs> in the wrong way. Right? Nah. <laughs> but I logically feel like you and I, until you reached out to me to be on your, uh, YouTube channel a couple of years ago, we we've never met, right? Yeah. Not in person. Okay. No, I'm curious no, if you feel, met. Yeah, before feel this that. because there's something about you where even before you and I had ever talked, I felt like I've known you from somewhere. I, <laughs> and I, again, I don't mean any homo by this, right? <laughs> but like in my head, I was like, you, I feel like I know you from like my childhood or something. I feel like we've met yeah. before and it, I can't, I cannot describe the feeling, but I feel like on some level, somehow I've met you before. And like, I've like, we, like we've known each other. And again, I don't mean no homo by that, <laughs> but I'm curious if you've like, is there something to that or am I just making this I, up? No, I think there is. I think there is. I've met someone like you before too. Uh, like, like it feels like it. Yeah. No homo, but yeah, no, it, it does. It does feel like it. Um, yeah. When I saw your content, I'm like, who is this dude? Cause I did see, I saw, I saw that you messaged me and then I saw your content. I'm like, who is this guy? Like I recognize this dude from somewhere. Yeah. I thought I felt the same thing. 
Yeah. That's fucking weird, bro. Yeah. Like that again makes me just question like the yeah. nature of reality, you know? Yeah. It is very strange. There's yeah. been, I don't know if you've ever seen this Reddit, uh, uh, page it's called glitches in the matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, I would read a lot have- of the glitches in the matrix before. And one of them kind of stood out in a similar way to where it was like, this girl was talking about, um, being at like Disneyland or something and her and her family are just like walking through and she just happens to walk by this girl on the sidewalk at Disneyland or Disney world and her and this girl come together and they're, they like instantly feel like they know each other. They're catching up. Like they've been best friends for fucking their whole lives. And then they, their families walk past and they realize that they, they've never met each other. They don't know who the fuck they are. You know, it has happened to me several times, but it doesn't happen often. I feel like that's that's happened to me before, but I can't, I'm trying to pinpoint when. And I think that was when I met my wife. Um, I think that was when I met my wife and when I met... Not really. This doesn't really happen that often, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that glitches in the Matrix could... Like, I, if this is a Matrix... I feel like th- that this could definitely be one of the things or, you know, it could just be coincidence that we are into the same kind of shit, you know? I don't know. Like, no, right? I feel like I recognize you like from my childhood, yeah. but you're not even like my same age. You know what I'm saying? And I'm pretty yeah, sure no. we've never lived in the same place. Like I grew mm-hmm. up in an army town. I don't think you're military, you know? Nope. So logically never Miami, it doesn't make right? sense. I've been to Miami once. You have when? Um, 2016. And where'd you go? Uh, it was, a it was a dating advice event that I was speaking at. Oh, okay. And it was a big conference. There was like a hundred plus people, like maybe 300 people there. I was there for a weekend. You never um, went out and did something extra while you were we there? We went to a story nightclub. But outside of that, I just kind of stuck to the area of the hotel, which is like, I think it was like the Marriott or something. You went to a nightclub? Yeah, Story Nightclub. 2016? And I, and I was um, uh, I was on a boot camp that night, so I was coaching like three or four guys that night at that nightclub. Oh, uh, okay. But you, you went there to party and stuff? Yeah. And I didn't party and I didn't drink because I was, it was the first time I'd done like an in-person uh, boot camp like that. Uh, where gotcha. I'm like taking guys out to t- talk to girls. And what happened was I had five guys who were with me that night and I was coaching all of them. They were all paying me to coach them and talk to girls. We yeah. get into this nightclub somehow, which is a miracle that we even got in with a group of like five or six dudes um, because we skipped the line. And my buddy who I was not coaching, but he was just with me, this Indian dude, he's like really into the game of like status and like finding hacks to like get into nightclubs and get into like VIP areas. And mm. he looked up the name of the, the owner of story, the nightclub. And basically we roll up to the front of this line, which is a really long line. And the bouncer's like, how many dudes do you guys have? No, we can't come in. And we already paid like for entrance, like tickets online to come into this fucking place, but you still have to wait in line and, and get in. And, uh, and I paid for all these dudes cause they all paid me a lot more. Right. And, um, to get in and my buddy rolls up and the guy bouncer's like, no, you guys can't come in. And, uh, 
he just name drops the fucking owner. He goes, blah, 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 like whatever this fucking get. He's like, Kevin, whatever. And he goes, wait, what did you say? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, Kevin, Ke- Kevin, I, I'm just making up a name. He goes, Kevin, yeah, he told us that we should come in. And like, he told us to come to the front of the line that you'd let us in. He goes, what? He goes, yeah, like Kevin's like fucking right now. He's like on a yacht on this vacation in the Bahamas. And he fucking texted me. You want me to pull up the fucking text? And he's speaking straight facts because he looked this guy up on Twitter and found out that he was on vacation somewhere doing X, Y, Z. And he's the owner of Story Nightclub. It was all bullshit. And the bouncer is now in a position where he's like, either I can call this guy out on his bullshit and potentially lose my job. Or I can just let these fuckers in. And he let us in. And as soon as we got in... All six dudes go six different directions. And so my whole night was fucking walk, pacing through this fucking large-ass nightclub trying to track down the guys that I'm supposed to be coaching. And every time I would fucking find one in a crowd of people somewhere, they're not talking to anybody. They're awkwardly standing there looking fucking just awkward as shit. And then I would be like, dude, why are you not talking to anybody? Here's how you talk to people. All right, I'm going to go find this other dude. Are you good right here? All right, I'll come back. And then that my whole night was just tracing people down and trying to be like, why are you not talking to people? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that's a good strategy, though. I mean, like bringing them to a nightclub where they could socialize and things like, you know, were they playing loud music and stuff? Like, oh, was yeah. it like EDM? It was EDM virtually impossible to hear anything in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's that's where I but thrive. Still, but uh, yeah. I wouldn't, I don't, I prefer to not do in-person, uh, boot camps like that. I'll do them on occasion, but I just, after that experience, like I prefer to coach people in controlled environments and like the documentary you saw the other day, the reason why I created that, that boot camp was I could control every aspect of that environment. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Damn dude. that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe we, we have met before in another consciousness. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, that is, it's a possibility. If you really think about it. I mean, we are, we are deep in this black hole right now. Oh, we're deep. Yeah. (laughs) We're fisting the black hole. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) All right. So how do we want to end this pod? Um, like follow subscribe. Go check and out Mindfucked. Check out Mindfucked. Yeah. Check out Adrenalus. Yeah. And most importantly, follow us on social media. Instagram, B-Hole Theories. TikTok, <laughs> B-Hole Theories. <laughs> and that is not a joke. It is actual B-Hole Theories. 